Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Leaving a Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mee. Uh, Pat is tied up at some parent-son sports ball coaching event thing, so he'll be joining us a little bit later. But don't you fear, uh, we have an awesome guest on the cast this week. Uh, I've been trying to get him on the cast numerous times. He was playing hard to get with me being the bell at the ball. Uh, but I finally wore him down and got him to come on. Uh, welcome to the cast. DJ Seco. 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 Second time was a charm there, Jerry. <laughs> You know, it's tradition. I can't ever pronounce anyone's uh, name correctly the first time they come on the cast <laughs> or a- a- ever after yeah. that <laughs> or or card names or <laughs> anything. Yeah. Or words in the English language. <laughs> yeah. It's impressive. It's impressive that you have a, a role as a speaker. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, never, never give up on your dream. Shoot for the moon. If you miss, you'll land among the sneaking shows. Uh, that's fair. Yep. I have that pre-printed on my tombstone. That's, that's going to be my epitaph. <laughs> yeah. It'd make a great lower back tattoo. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Just tattooed right across my, uh, my lower back. I think I should get that. well what is up man thanks for coming on it was great uh seeing you on friday i'm so glad you decided to come on and uh, kind of talk about it with us but we both had our first paper legacy fnm in over a year and i gotta say it was a pretty magical experience yeah uh overall i think there was 16 people there i think i was table eight when uh we started playing so yeah it was pretty cool yeah, it was great. Um, you know, we got to see all the people that we've been missing and it was great to see them. But I also saw a bunch of people that like I wasn't not not that I wasn't expecting to see them. It's just like, you know, those like people who are like casually in the friend group, like they're maybe two or three degrees removed from you. So like you recognize them because they show up to all the same parties, but you never really had that many direct interactions with them. So it kind of had a little bit of a high school reunion feeling to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the people that you don't know their name, but you just say, Hey, really loudly. So they turn around and look at you and then, you, <laughs> and then you start having a conversation with them. Exactly. Yeah. The, the shared interest of magic kind of brings you together to the point where you don't even need names. It would help. It would but help, you, but you couldn't pronounce them anyway. I, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to pronounce them anyways. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're right. But uh, it was awesome seeing the store again. Uh, they put in a bunch of new, uh, like display cases and shelves and stuff. So the the store was looking great. Um, you know, the play area was great as always. It was it was awesome to uh, get back to gaming, etc. You know, I had a I had a blast. Yeah. Um... Like I played a couple times webcam, but like I didn't really want to play Magic Online. I was basically just a collector <laughs> for the past year and a half, two years. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just straight, straight collecting. You know, it felt good dusting the cards off. I know uh, like everyone there was complaining almost having like carpal tunnel. We all need to build up our like shuffling strength again because we, uh, you know, don't have the, uh, the mechanics down anymore. Um, yeah. Especially if you do like double sleeves or whatever. Right. Uh, man, good thing Pat isn't here. He would be making fun of our uh, our weak, weak ways in his uh, sports ball manliness, needing uh, needing help shuffling. <laughs> yeah, but is football really a sport? Good, good. I'm glad you got that dig in there. So Pat, Pat can just rage when he listens to this later. <laughs> yeah, like games used to be like two and a half hours. Now they're like three and a half hours because of commercial. But part of the game is trying to play as little as possible to run the game time off <laughs> so when when that's the strategy it's like okay how do we win this game guys well let's not play the game <laughs> much like uh much much like competitive uh, magic the gathering online just run run the clock out on your opponent to win the game <laughs> yeah yeah when you like tap things and like activate something because you know your opponent's lagging right like a a cheaty face (laughs) like a cheaty face yeah (laughs) that's why it's good to get in the store and play some paper magic so you don't have to deal with that yeah Um, you can at least look the cheaty face in the eye right exactly stare him in his soul or her soul you know women women can be cheaty faces too i guess (laughs) uh but yeah it was uh it was a good time i ended up playing uh old faithful sneak and show you were playing something pretty spicy though dj oh yeah i was playing um because I really wanted to play the new Rashad and Dockhand, so I got I played Merfolk, which I was lucky because I actually got the uh, the Aether, the fourth Aether Vial in the mail uh, Friday. Oh, really? So the day you go, that's always a good feeling. Yeah, Flat, down to the wire. <laughs> I've never owned uh, Aether Vials. Like I used to play years ago. Uh, sometimes I would borrow a friend of mine's Merfolk deck, but this was like 2012. <laughs> so so a long time ago yeah uh yeah so i i was kind of just trying out a, a new toy it did pretty well for you you ended up going what three one at the night yeah the mighty three one the mighty three one good for prizes yeah. good for prizes um so what was your what did your list look like because i know you were running the uh the rashad and dock hands uh what, what did you cut to fit you were also running the other new uh merfolk as well right uh yeah it's like uh i was playing one of uh i think it's pronounced felon mm-hmm. or Svelin or whatever uh, i was playing uh one of that that's the merfolk god the what is it uh three four that's indestructible if you have two and then uh two other merfolk and if you uh it gives like ward one or something to yeah, all, all, uh, your, all your other merfolk yeah um which that one didn't really see any play like didn't really come up where it was like super good. I was either winning or I didn't draw it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I got, it's kind of hard for a one of to show its chops in only four games though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I played the, the tide bender, I believe the, the one that if you kick it, it makes target oh, land an Island. Yeah. It's, it's, tide, a, it's tide a spread, shaper. yeah, it's a spreading seas on a creature basically. Yeah. And, uh, that was actually kind of underwhelming. Really? I'm surprised. I had high hopes for that card. Uh, so it, it could have just been the matches because it's, it's only a 2-2. Two, two, so it's like a 2-mana two 2-2 mm-hmm. two, two, or you, it could be a 1-mana two, 2-2. Two. 
But like there was one game where I actually did kick it and my opponent just bounced it. And it was like, okay, your land is now back to normal. Cause it's, oh, a, is it, it's only, it's, it's only while it stays in play. Yeah. And that kind of felt a little underwhelming. Uh, if it was like a, Hey, it's always going to be an Island. Then that would be sick. Yeah. But, uh, it kind of didn't interact very well with uh, Aether Vial. Yeah, because you can't kick it off Vial. Yeah, so it could be like Vial in a 2-2. But I preferred getting in the Dock Hand because the Dock Hand was sweet. Yeah. It was it was really cool. I did see the Dock Hand do a lot of work. That's why I wanted to get you on the cast because we talked about it a lot in spoiler season. And uh, Dock Hand seemed like an MVP in the couple matches I saw of yours, including... Uh, spoiler alert, uh, we played each other in the final round at FNM, uh, and it did a, a ton of work in that matchup as well. But so that's that's cool. So, kind of underwhelming results on the uh, the Merfolk God and the Spreading Seas Merfolk, but Doc Hand, Doc Hand was looking pretty good. Tell run, run us through kind of your matches and, and how it turned out. So, uh, my first round was against uh, it was your special, your uh, your new love, the shark still deck. Shark still, hell yeah, yeah. And I thought, I thought it was like a miracle type build, but it didn't have any miracles. It was playing supreme verdicts, but it was it was pretty sick because I was on three Rashad imports as well as the dock hand. Uh huh. So that that guy needed to get double white a lot, and he mm-hmm. just never could because I wastelanded him out of the game and then the only time i let him have double white he landed a moat in game two and i didn't let him have double white the rest of the the match so (laughs) yeah and it was basically i got to the point where i could just alpha strike and beat him so just kept him off double white kept him off double white and then and then you just just win the game yeah Uh, i i did see some pretty disgusting plays like uh Rashad and Port, Aether Vial, Turn to Wasteland, Violin, Dockhand. Like those, those sorts of, uh, you know, plays just feel real discouraging uh, sitting on the other side of the table from that. Yeah. A lot of people don't look at Dockhand as being like a really good card because they're like, oh, it's just a one, two. But I looked at it in the sense that you're casting like a mana ramp spell. Because mm-hmm. if I'm only playing, Rashad and port for the the port ability. Yeah. It doesn't actually make me lose a land. So right. I can I can play an island and then play this Rashad and Dock hand. It's like, oh, I just kind of rampant growth in a way. I mean, I'm not getting the mana out of it, but I'm getting the ability. Yeah. And basically what it what it ended up happening was you delayed them, you delayed them, you delayed them, and it was just it was, you know, stacking effects because it's like one Rashad and Port equals Rashad and Port plus a Rashad and Dockhand plus a Wasteland plus another Dockhand plus another Rashad and Port. Now all of, a, all of a sudden it's turned like six or seven and you've also been like violing in Lords and Curse Catchers and Silvergill adepts. And now all of a sudden you have 20 power and you're like, oh, I don't need to delay you anymore. Uh, you're tapped out. You can't do anything. I'm just going to alpha strike you for 20. <laughs> Yeah, in in that creature that had been holding you back is now has three or four power. Yeah, with Island Walk. Right, it's now a three four or a four five. It's a, it's almost like it turns into a goif with lords. <laughs> yeah, 
So definitely looked pretty impressive. Can definitely see where it, it lends itself in that more controlling matchup against the uh, the blue white uh, you know shark still deck. Um, what else did you because you also you know I know you played combo against me, but what else did you play uh, over the course of the night? Like, did you versus any other aggro matchups or? So round one was the shark still. Um, round two was classic Canadian threshold. Okay. And uh, I think that the Rashad and Dockhand was really good because it blocks un- unflipped Delvers. Uh, I didn't have Chalice of the Void in my deck, which a lot of people would be like, I'd want to have that against a Delver deck. Mm-hmm. But turn two is kind of pivotal, yep. like either delaying your opponent or whatever. And it, if your opponent just has a Delver on turn one and then you cast your Chalice, it feels real real bad. (laughs) So I I was really against Merfolk playing Chalice for a long time because I always thought you shouldn't be playing Chalice of the Void if you can't cast it on turn one consistently. Yeah, and that's something we talked about, uh, I think, before the tournament as well, is that, you know, like Merfolk is really the only Chalice deck that can't play it on turn one, and it definitely shows. Yeah, and now it doesn't need to because it has potentially like 12 or so turn one plays. Right. And like you said, you know, turn two is pivotal. You want to be using your two, two turn two mana to use a Rashad and board or a dock hand to tap down your opponent's land. You don't want to be casting a chalice of the void and then them, you know, either already having a Delver in play or just choosing to do a two drop instead. Yeah, correct. Uh, so against Canadian threshold, uh, I won that one 2-0. Uh, it was game one was just kind of like a like a tempo thing. I kept him off red, and he had he had green blue mana, which doesn't do as much. So mm-hmm. I just kept him off red, kept him off red, kept him off red, and then like vialed in uh, a, a true name nemesis, and then vialed in another true name nemesis, and then it was just it was too late. It was <laughs> two true name nemesis are too good. And then the next in that game was pretty intense because my opponent had two Delvers on the two flip Delvers. And I was able to just outrace that. Nice. It helps because he can't block any of my creatures. Like even Dockhand naturally has Island walk on its own. So if you really just need to, your opponent has a bunch of lands tapping it down. It's not going to do anything. You just chip in for one. Yeah. That's very good. And were you running like dismembers or cause that's always been a weakness of Merfolk because it doesn't really have much removal. So um I wasn't running any removal in the main. Uh in the sideboard, I tried playing suspend and it was in my hand a couple times, but it like didn't feel great. Uh I actually splashed black. I wasn't playing um caverns or anything. I had six fetches and two underground seas, so I could mm-hmm. splash black cards in my sideboard. Um, so I did have uh, plague engineers in my sideboard. You can bile them in, you know. You can cast, you can cast them. Uh, seems pretty good against like goblins and against elves and stuff like that. And it, it probably is decent against a couple other bad matchups, uh, non-blue creature decks. Humans, you can name humans. Uh, humans probably outgrows it. Yeah. Uh, he, humans, I, I don't even, I don't even know if that's a winnable matchup. Uh, just in theory, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's any good. <laughs> um, 
but uh, I've, I've been tinkering with the list even after FNM, and uh, there's a whole range of black spells I want to try putting in. I did have one main board um, Brazen Borrower, so I guess you can say that's that's removal, it's a catch-all, and uh, Brazen Borrower felt really strong, mm-hmm. so probably put a second one in the main, and maybe one in the sideboard. Uh, but against uh, Canadian Threshold, I think I just wanted to bring more beef, so uh, I put in I put in one suspend, and I think I boarded out like dazes and uh, uh, force of it. Uh, sorry, force negation, mm-hmm. and brought in a couple creatures that I had in my sideboard. Uh, yeah. Just, just because I, I just wanted more things to overwhelm them with. Uh, it's, it's really about tempoing them out because you're, you're slightly better on the tempo because you don't play ponders and brainstorms. Right. You know, uh, I ran into that problem in one of my matchups. Like, I just hit my cantrip cartel, went like ponder, brainstorm, preordain, ponder, preordain, ponder, brainstorm, and I just didn't draw anything ever. And I was just cycling through all this fluff. Whereas with Merfolk, uh, I remember in our matchup, you got me where you uh, you top decked a lord. And, you know, you killed me and I was like, ah, oh, you got me. And you're like, yeah, that, that was a really good top deck. But to be fair, I could have top decked any one of like 24 cards and I still would have won. So <laughs> it's kind of a 50-50 top deck at that point. <laughs> oh, man, you kind of spoiled it. I was hoping. Uh, oh, I'm to, sorry. To tell, 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 the, tell the whole thing to Pat. Just uh, just <laughs> just the, the whole story was kind of kind of golden. Oh, I, I won't. I won't steal your thunder. We can we can get into our matchup to, to round off the night because we, we finished. So you did uh, Shark Still in round one. Uh, Rug Delver round two. What was your round three opponent? Uh, it was Blue Red Delver. Oh, was... so you you did play a lot of aggro matchup too between uh, Rug and you know Blue Red, or I guess Tempo would be the more proper term. Yeah, I I figured my opponent was going to be on Blue Red Delver because he's he's a local. We play all the time, and he tends to play Blue Red, uh, sometimes Mono Red or Storm, but. Mm-hmm. Blue red's the new hotness. So, uh, Dragon Rage tra- Channeler uh, ate me up. Did it? That, uh, yeah, that card gets flying. So, would you say the Rug Delver matchup was was kind of easy, and the Blue Red matchup like wrecked you? So, no, I don't um, want to. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, I so I um, I got mana screwed uh, both games against. Uh, blue red like there was a wasteland involved in one game but i i got mana screwed but their clock is so much better than canadian thresholds because dragon rage channeler it becomes a three three flyer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it was like oh i'm staring around a delver and two dragon rage channelers and i couldn't block any of them i couldn't remove them because i don't play a deck with removal right i just I couldn't do anything. So I think it might be a decent matchup. They do play a lot of pyroblasts in the sideboard, but yep. I, I do think that they're more punishing if you stumble. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it felt like one of the more punishing <laughs> uh, matches because sometimes you just, you, you trip and then they hit you while you're down. And that, that was definitely one of those. It's not, it wasn't like playing against miracles where, 
you yeah. can you can get back potentially. And then blue red also tends to run a bit more removal than rug delver as well. So I'm sure that pr- probably didn't help you out too much. I think the biggest thing is the the high velocity on the on the draw spells mm-hmm. because uh, it, they play what is it explosive iteration mm. is the is the new card. We've been hearing a lot about explosive iteration lately. That is, uh, that has definitely been an all-star. And I, a uh, couple people were like opening packs, looking for explosive iterations before the tournament. People were lending explosive iterations out. Definitely seemed like explosive iteration was kind of the forefront of everyone's mind uh, on Friday night. Yeah, uh, it's a good card. Uh, I, I think that's one of the the pulls of playing Ragavan. Ragavan was not in this deck. In this blue red deck, it was just Dragon Rage Channeler, but explosive iteration is like, oh, hit you with my Ragavan. Now I can cast my explosive iteration, play a land off of that explosive iteration, draw a card, and put a card on the bottom. Like that's pretty nuts. Yeah, casting Some... a two minute sorcery plus it's a sorcery, so you don't have to play as many uh, chain lightnings or anything like that. Like you can play two chain lightnings if you wanted, mm-hmm. but it's a sorcery, so now you're going to hit your delirium pretty quickly too. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about like yeah, you know the sorcery count because that is true with delirium. It it is sometimes hard to hit delirium, not just because of the fourth mechanic, but just because sometimes you just don't get a a ponder or something like that to uh, up your sorcery count. Yeah, I used to play quite a bit of Canadian Threshold, and I always liked playing Chain Lightning because it was a sorcery for Tarmogoyf not because it was actually like super great. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you play uh, other things like maybe you play uh, what is it? The, the, Mishra's the, sho- the, the, the shock. Oh, I, I've never played Mishra's Bob. Oh, uh, Fort Bolt. No, uh, you can put, you can play that one um, and you can play the one that's a tribal instant. Oh yeah. Um, yes. I forget. What is it? It's not tribal flames. It's uh, Tarfire or something yes, like it's that. Tar- it's Tarfire. Tarfire. So, yeah. so you can play that, but obviously the one mana for three damage rate is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, keep keeping stuff like that in mind, like because now your sorcery count is like four ponders and four explosive iteration and one or two chain lightnings. So that's ten. That means you're going to hit your delirium a lot more. Yeah. That that is a big deal. That is a that is a great point. I didn't even think about that because I was always worried about the fourth slot, you know, hitting artifact or planeswalker or something like that. But yeah, sometimes it's just a struggle just to get that sorcery in. Yeah. So this way it's pretty automatic because you're gonna ha- you have your dazes, your lightning bolts, your brainstorms, your forces. Yeah, in- instants and lands are easy between fetch lands and cantrips. Yeah, and then and then you just need to make sure you surveil a creature into the graveyard and easy peasy. Yeah. Um, before I we we talk about our match, how was yours? Like, like <laughs> yeah. what what did you play? So I played sneak and show, and it felt good to uh, dust the old girl off, uh, bring her back out again. Uh, I actually ran my exact same list from uh, GP Niagara in 2019. So this deck is two years old at this point, and honestly. Not too many changes I would make to it. Like, it still felt really good. Like, I was thinking about maybe trying out Explosive Iteration, but I ended up not because I didn't have them. And 
honestly at that at this point i just like didn't even i didn't want to resleeve it like i'm the at the you know bitter vet curmudgeon stage of my magic career where sleeving is a chore so i'll just leave my deck as is so i don't have to sleeve it anymore <laughs> um but it there honestly just it hasn't been that much printed for seek and show in the last couple years which is honestly kind of nice it was nice just like taking my deck box out of my backpack where I haven't really used it much in the last two years or like 18 months, I should say with COVID and it's still being a completely viable competitive deck. Um, Was I the last person to play it? Probably. Yeah, (laughs) probably. Um, But uh, so for my first matchup, I versed a good friend of the cast, uh, Ben Barodaka. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name as well. Yeah, no one's ever going to pronounce that right. <laughs> Barodaka. Ben, you know who you are, and you know that I appreciate you. Uh, ben, Ben's a great friend. He's someone who I always uh, really enjoy seeing at events because he always has, you know, you know how there's just some people who are just like always in a good mood and just, you know, I can't even put words to it, but he's just, he he lightens, he brightens the room when he, uh, when you interact with him. So, yeah. And he's, pretty darn good at magic and he is also very very good at magic very analytical uh he knows what he's doing um and he was actually playing uh, a sweet list it threw me for a loop at first because he was running a blue white stone blade delver which is not what i was expecting i was also expecting like a miracles type list at first then i thought he was on like maybe a uh, like Sharknado style deck. And then he just lands Delver of Secrets against me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is how we're playing this. So I'm going to have to stop you. You do realize he was your guest for a Stone Blade episode of this podcast, right? I know he was a guest on the podcast as a Stone Blade aficionado, but I did not expect it to be, you know, the Stone Blade Delver right out of the gate. You know, people change, DJ. People change. Um, so, uh, Ben came out swinging with, uh, the stone blade and most interestingly, uh, he was playing the new, uh, Cal, what is it? Caldra reforged or Caldra assembled. I forget what it is, but it is that that enchantment. No, it's the batter skull, not replacement. Oh yes. Yes. That, that one, the, the seven mana. Yeah. It's the seven mana living weapon equipment that like makes the germ a five, five first strike haste. Uh, I think vigilance and what's super important about that is whenever it deals combat damage to a creature, exile that creature. And that was actually super interesting because we got into a, a point in the third matchup where he had the Caldra reforged in play and I show and tell in a grizzle brand. And normally in these circumstances, if that was just a batter skull, it would have been fine because he would just swing in with the batter skull. I would block with the grizzle brand, gain seven life with the grizzle brand. The batter skull would be blanked, but because Calgary forged has first strike and exiles, any creature it deals damage to not only does that no longer turn into a favorable trade for uh, me as the sneak and show player. It also just it straight up removes grizzle brand. I don't gain the life. So I can't draw cards with grizzle brand really puts me in a really negative position. If that was a batter skull, it would have been an easy matchup. Uh, but because it was specifically Caldra, 
it really made me think about it. And I ended up getting a super lucky draw. Uh, I drew seven uh, off of Grizzlebrain. I, I know it, it's kind of facetious of me to say it was a lucky draw off of a draw seven. <laughs> but the seventh card I drew with Grizzlebrand was, uh, was Emmercool. Uh, and I was able to cast Sneak Attack. I basically, in my seven, drew Sneak Attack and Emmercool and the Lotus Petal I needed for Exaxes. So I needed three cards to win the game, and I got those three cards in the seven. Um, and if I hadn't gotten exactly those three cards, I would have lost that game. That's kind of um, interesting. So what you're saying is it kind of pins you down, like it's hard to come back from that card? Yeah, exactly. Like, if, if you had had 20 life, then yeah, you have a couple turns, but when you're, when you're low on life, it's like, yeah, game's been going plus game's like, over. maybe I've already drawn cards with grizzle brands. Like mm-hmm. it really changes that matchup as a sneak and show player. Like the, the Calder assembled, I'm sure is not as good in other matchups, but as the sneak and show player, that is a significant upgrade for the stone forge decks compared to a batter skull. If it was a batter skull, I wouldn't have cared at all. But specifically because it was a Caldra assembled, uh, I hope that's the name. I've just been saying it like ten times. I think that's the name. <laughs> Caldra Reforged, something like that. Caldra Complete. That's the name. <laughs> because it specifically was Caldra Complete, it made me like reanalyze the entire board state, and it changed the, a lot of my decisions. Uh, it made me nervous to show and tell. Like usually against Stoneblade, you're not that worried because Emrakul is bigger than uh, Batterskull. Grizzlebrand is bigger than Batterskull. Like there isn't too much a Stoneforge deck can put into play off of Show and Tell that you really care about. Now with it being Caldra complete, that definitely changes the math, uh, the matchup. Uh, I'm le- I'm less eager to Show and Tell in a Grizzlebrand turn one, knowing that they could have a Caldra complete. And it, you know, changing up that matchup. I'm still probably going to do it because we didn't come here to have no paper hands. <laughs> you know, we we came here to turn one show and tell. So, but you know, definitely adds another uh, tool in their toolkit. So, was uh, very interesting matchups. And honestly, the only reason why I beat Ben was because I got extremely lucky off a of Grizzlebrand draw in the third matchup or the third game, I should say. Um. That was pretty good. Uh, then my round two, I actually played ninjas. It's it's nice to see that ninjas, I feel, has become just like a staple of the metagame at this point. Would would you agree? Or what, what's kind of your opinion on ninjas? So for a long time, uh, I don't know if you remember, I was playing Grixis Fairies. So I, oh, I remember that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually took it to Eternal Weekend twice. Yeah. Um, and to moderate results. Uh but I really like that kind of strategy of poking you with little things and then all of a sudden it just snowballs and, and you just have complete control of the game with these little creatures and you're casting Thoughtseize and stuff like that. Like, Spell Stutter Sprite is one of my favorite cards. It It's cool in what it does. It's got sweet Rebecca Gway art. Like, what is there not to love about it? Well, also the scariest thing with the Ninja's deck is the freaking Retrofitter Foundry. Like, because now all of a sudden these ornithopters are four fours, and that adds up quick. Yeah, uh, I think that the the changeling outcast, yep, like is is amazing because one it can't be blocked, but two it's also a thopter. Like it's just it's just so good. Yeah. So 
I did end up 2 owing uh, ninjas. Game one was pretty close. Um, he it turned into a race between Emmercool and a bunch of ninjas, and um, he actually ended up uh, sacking. So he sacked to annihilator trigger, and he, uh, I don't want to say he did it wrong. Like I don't I don't know what his hand was, so he he probably made decisions based on that. But um, he ended up keeping his lands instead of his ninjas. Uh, to the annihilator trigger, and I think he actually could have won the race if he had just gone, you know, balls to the wall and kept his ninjas in the retrofitter foundry. So I ended up winning game one because of that. Um, and then game two, I just got the cheesy turn one Emmer cool off of Ancient Tomb Lotus Petal Show and Tell, and he couldn't really compete with that. Uh, so- a lot of skill, a lot of skill, so much skill, like skill pouring out of my pores. <laughs> That's like top eating a GP level of skill. <laughs> top eating, exactly. It, you know, I, I took me back to the glory days of eighteen months earlier. <laughs> By the way, I, I was really close. I'm gonna do it now, but that that was kind of a humble brag when you're like, oh, yeah, you know my my GP top eight deck, but you didn't you didn't say that you top eighted. You just said GP. <laughs> the place not gb and and, and and you let the listeners fill it in for themselves <laughs> i can't is... win i can't win and like no matter what i do everyone's <laughs> just bringing nope. it up <laughs> apparently you did win because you made the top eight of a gp right <laughs> i could just say i like waterfalls the deck and people are like oh waterfalls niagara has waterfalls gp niagara jerry gp niagara look at jerry bragging about his gp niagara top eight talking about this waterfalls deck listeners i can't win no matter what i do people keep dragging it back it's like the six degrees of kevin bacon (laughs) six Uh, degrees of jerry's uh top eight (laughs) yeah yeah just everything (laughs) never gonna live in and that's one of like the last legacy gps ever so never never gonna live it down now can't even can't even top it Uh, we'll see. I'll knock on wood. I'll knock on wood. Maybe we'll get GPs back again. You know, I'm I'm hoping and I'm praying, Watsy. Um, but yeah, so that was my my round two, and then round three, I played a Lurin, and my God, you know when a deck like it's almost like you're driving a car down the highway and the wheels fall off, and then you're just like sparking into the breakdown lane. That's basically what my deck did in round three. Uh, well, I, I don't know that personally, but I've seen it on TV. <laughs> I, uh, so I got a turn to Jace. I went like islands, ponder Lotus petal, turn two, or sorry, turn one, turn to ancient tomb Jace. Yep. And my opponent was playing a Lurin and just had a slow start. Like didn't have any creatures. They were also just cantripping. And it just didn't matter. I had Jason play for maybe 10 turns. And thinking back now, I, I would have done better just to start uh, ticking him up immediately to go for the J-Salt, which, you know, doesn't... That deck really... plays a lot of creatures. That deck yeah, plays right. a lot of creatures. Yeah, and like, so like traditional knowledge will tell you, like, you don't start ticking up Jace until you have a perfect hand. And with Sneak and Show, if you have a perfect hand, that means you win the game. So... The only time you ever really win with Jace and Sneak and Show is when your opponent has like ensnaring bridges and containment priests and modes, like just all sorts of stuff that prevents you from winning the game traditionally. And Jace Alt is your only out. How is Moat an example? How does Moat beat Sneak Moat's and Show? Moat's not an example. I thank I, you. 
I realized it as I said it, and I just glossed over it, DJ, like I do with many things on this cast where I say something stupid and then power through it, hoping no one notices. But thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> Pat is always sleeping. He's sleeping on the job. Why do you think I keep him around? Why do you think I, because he sleeps through my fuck ups. <laughs> But anyways, uh, typically you don't win with Jason's Deacon show unless it's like your last absolute resort. But thinking back, I should have just started ticking up Jason in- immediately because I would have won the game with Jace Alt. But no, I just start sculpting my hands, sculpting my hands, sculpting my hands. And Jace is finding me ponders and preordains and brainstorms. And I'm searching and I'm searching and I'm searching. And my uh, learned opponent casts Cabal Therapy and names Emrakul, so I have to discard my Emrakul, which then shuffles my deck back into my, or my graveyard back into my deck. So all the work I did, you know, filtering and thinning my deck out goes to waste because all these cantrips get shuffled back in. And for like 10 or 11 turns, I'm just sculpting my hand and just don't find a combo piece to save my life. (laughs) Like it was painful. I probably drew 30 plus cards over that time frame, and it just didn't matter. I just could not find the A plus B combo, and then eventually the Alluren deck uh, just found what it needed and, and killed me. Uh, and then game two, Alluren is actually a super scary matchup for Sneak and Show uh, because you basically have to board out your show intels. Yeah, because uh, they can go off on your turn if Add they learn Alluren. Yeah. yeah, most Sneak and Show players, they learn once, maybe twice, you board out your show and tells uh, for the sideboard matchups because too many times you'll cast show and tell, put in omniscience or Emrakul or whatever, and they'll put in a Lurin and win at instant speed. Um, so had to board out my show and tells, basically turn into a sneak and show, a sneak attack. And then also I have Arcane Artisan in the sideboard. So sneak attack plus Arcane Artisan. The problem with that is Arcane Artisan and sneak attack are both uh, very slow. Uh, it really slows the game down, and that's exactly what Alluren wants because Alluren is also a slow combo deck. And so basically what you have is you have two deck combo decks that want to combo off on turn four or five. The difference being that Alluren is also a creature deck that can be chipping away at you the entire time. Um, so I actually got him to uh, discard the Parasitic Strix to uh, Force of Will. So he actually didn't have a backup combo. Uh, but that just meant he had to kill me by a thousand paper cuts. I died to like baleful Strix and uh, recruiter beats <laughs> is how that game ended. Yeah, it can get to the point where there's just so many creatures on the field where it's like, okay, yeah, attack me with your Emrakul and sure, I'll sack these and I'll hit you and you're dead the next turn. Yep. And that's pretty much what happened. So I ended up losing to a learn and uh, kind of picking up my first loss of the night. And that hurts. That's, but that's just kind of what you have to accept with accept with sneak and show is that when you, when you win, you tend to win hard. And when you lose, you lose really hard. It's like your deck, like you owe your deck money and it is taking it out for you. That's what it feels like when you lose with sneak and show. <laughs> like. I- I know I played your deck at the LAL open and I won zero <laughs> matches. <laughs> that's just, that's just the, the breaks, you know, it mm-hmm. takes us, it takes a certain amount of luck to win with sneak and show. And sometimes, you know, it's just not with you. Well, I, I felt because it was the Jeremy lookalike contest that I was doing my best impression. You did win that lookalike contest. If I remember correctly, <laughs> I tied with the only other contestant. 
<laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Regular chart. I also lost. <laughs> it, it's all about our perspective, DJ. It all depends on how you look at it. <laughs> uh, and then finally for the night, rounding it off, I was paired against an extremely handsome gentleman named DJ. Oh, how handsome was he? Please. Uh, I would say like above average. Above oh, thank average you. <laughs> uh, would you like to uh, to pick up the story from here? So uh, game one, uh, I kept you off of uh, three mana pretty much the whole yeah, time. It was brutal. You went like port dockhand wasteland dockhand and <laughs> yeah and you never could make blue yep could never um, make blue could only have colorless <laughs> and then you finally uh were able to resolve a show and tell for a uh, grizzle brand and i filed in a marrow regery which has fallen out of uh fallen out of favor but for those of you uh who don't know the card it gives all merfolk you control Plus one plus one. It's two colorless and a blue, and it's a two-two. And whenever you cast a Merfolk spell, you can tap or untap a permanent. So I vialed that in, and then I drew a, another Lord, cast the Lord, tapped his Emrakul, which I don't think I needed to, because I think you had an island in play anyway. Yep. But it was funnier that way. So I <laughs> tapped your Emrakul, and uh, I hit you for thirteen. It's pretty pretty rude. Let me also just say that. Island walk is especially insulting when you can't ever use that island for mana anyways. <laughs> you know, when that mana is when that island is permanently tapped down by Rashad and Ports and Dockhands, all it exists is to give your opponent's creatures unblockable. It uh it's like rubbing salt in the wounds. Yeah, it, it felt pretty good. It felt better because it was against you, but yeah, it felt <laughs> pretty good. Thanks. But then game two. Uh, Game two, reminding me why Grim Lavamancer is an MVP and has forever secured its spot on the sideboard. That boy did work. Game two. Yeah, I think it killed like six creatures. I think more than that. I got that. I got it off turn one, and that was a pretty long game. And the sick thing is, uh, I boarded out some number of uh, True Name Nemesis Mm -hmm. because unless you draw exactly that it's not really the greatest card yeah it's just it's basically an expensive delver at that point <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, you you want to you want to keep in the cards that either slow your opponent down or help the team get bigger right and uh that does neither of those yep so true name was out and Grim Lavamancer was basically just a machine gunner mowing down Merfolk the entire game. Yeah. And that, that was the game where uh, you saw my secret sideboard tech, right? Where I uh, thought seized you on turn one or yeah. no, I think it was like, I think it was like two or three and you had kept on top with a ponder and I saw force of will, force of will, uh, grizzle brand, Emrakul, brainstorm in a land and i was like oh man should i take this brainstorm because i can counter his force of will potentially and i was like no there's a sneak attack there's like a show and tell on top so i had to i i took uh emrakul to shuffle your deck uh, that, 
that's a line a lot of people don't see. Like a lot of people don't realize. Like you take the the Emrakul to force the shuffle. Yeah, uh, and you had said there was a there was a show and tell. Was there actually a show and tell on top? Yeah, there was a show because I had brainstormed the turn or I, like I pondered or preordained or something the turn before. It was a ponder. Yeah, it was a pond. Oh yeah, you're right. It was a ponder, and I chose not to shuffle. Yeah, and uh, I still got absolutely crushed by your turn one mountain one one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mountain Grim Lava Mancer, kill every merfolk that sees the light of day, and then like 10 turns later, combo off for the win. Yep. Um, that was game two. Game three, I kind of played myself. <laughs> yeah. So I thought seized you again in this game, and you uh you were gracious enough to leave half of your hand up. So I knew you had a force of will in your hand, but because you never had a brainstorm after that. And at some point you cast, uh, uh, you cast show and tell it, and I, I had well, no, close lethal in what the term of the, the, the turn before I cast show and tell you played uh dock hand. Oh yes. You played dock. Hand, and I was just like, oh man, thank God that card doesn't have haste. I would just lose the game on the spot. If that card had haste, <laughs> cause I need ex- exactly's mana. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's true. Because you were like, "Oh man, that's a beating," and I was like, "No, it's summoning sick." And you're like, "Okay, got a turn." So then you just like quickly cast show and tell, and I go. So he plays into the onboard trick, eh? And you go, "What?" And I go, "I'm gonna sack my curse catcher," and you're, like, and just the look on your face. Uh, I think you probably damaged your deck. You have like a you have like a twenty five thousand dollar deck, and you just like mashed it all together like blatant disregard for all of the time and effort you put into like i was just i was so focused on the, like the rashad and port because you also had like ports and other dock hands and everything and i was like doing the math the math like i need x amount of mana i need a specifically top deck uh city of traders here because an ancient tomb i don't have enough life for and it needs to be like sadrian and play it and all this and then i just completely forgot about the curse catcher like the curse catcher just didn't exist in my mind. And so I'm like, yes, I have everything. I'm going to win exaxes and I windmill slam show and tell. And you just go, uh, okay. Sack curse catcher. <laughs> and they, they never see the onboard trick. Yeah. I just, just like complete disregard for the curse catcher completely forgot about it. And I just like, I slap my, my hands to my face and I'm just sh- shaking my head. <laughs> Can't believe I had like done such a boneheaded move and just missed the curse catcher. <laughs> what were you even going to put into play? Uh, I was going to put into play omniscience and then Emrakul. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, you actually would have won. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that makes it taste even sweeter. Yeah, so doesn't matter though because I can't look at board states. Listen, it's legacy. All the action happens on the stack. I don't want any of this board state nonsense. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I have a force of will in my hand and a blue card to pitch to it. I'm totally gonna win. <laughs> and then I shuffled up my deck and went home. Sayla <laughs> <laughs> V. Now that magic's back, is there anything you're looking forward to or anything you want to try? uh actually yeah someone posted a uh a pretty spicy list on the facebook group today did you see that uh no what is it so it came in uh ninth on saturday and 12th on sunday for the challenges um 
it's basically big red splashing uh blue for show and tell oh uh, so it's it's a mono red sneak attack with show and tell yeah basically taking okay. a budget deck and not making it budget anymore <laughs> so uh justin perry posted this up on the uh the facebook group uh, and it's a pretty cool list so Four Elvish Spirit Guide, four Emrakul, four Grizzlebrand, four Simeon Spirit Guide, three World Spire Worm, four Lotus Petal, uh, four Sneak Attack, three Through the Breach, uh, four Seething Song, uh, uh, four Trinisphere, and then a mana base of four Ancient Tomb, four City of Traders, also a Crystal Vein to give you nine Soul Lands. Basically, this deck is designed to turn one trinisphere or turn one show and tell followed up by like a turn two sneak attack like this deck is just balls to the walls just trying to get a fatty into play as soon as possible yeah yeah uh this deck is really fast and pretty potent i'm actually surprised to see the show and tells because show and tell being reciprocal like, right it it makes sense though because other than uh, sneak attack and through the breach was traditionally big red there's been like a couple other cards that big red has tried but the biggest problem with it is that you just you need more combo pieces you just you just don't have enough of the a of the a b combo in order to make it work and big red's big advantage is it's typically been a uh, budget deck but ever since ancient tomb and city of traders have exploded in value it's a budget deck that's not really very affordable anymore. And I yeah. think that's why we've seen a big drop off in the number of players of it, because why are you paying just as much to play sneak and show? Uh, if you, you know, don't actually have the resiliency that sneak and show does, but I do actually like this in this meta just because of how fast it is. And with all the blue red Delver out there, I do actually think this is probably a pretty good, uh, deck list to run if you're going into a metagame filled with blue red delver which is exactly what the magic online metagame is looking like right now yeah uh i do kind of like the fact that uh blue red delver because they have so many pyroblasts in their sideboard now mm. they might even be playing one in the main but do you board in four pyroblast for the four show and tell because you can't even you can't tag a force of will you can't tag anything else in the deck so like if you're sitting there looking at your two pyroblasts and they cast a sneak attack and you're like oh man a lot of egg in my face <laughs> especially if like game one you go like turn one ancient tomb lotus petal show and tell for the gotcha and you just get them there then then they board in the pyroblast and then realize they're versing big red and they've made a terrible mistake <laughs> yeah that that would be pretty gut-wrenching yeah so uh, i want to take this list i feel so i have been using burn as my like tour de france style deck where i just like see what's going on in the meta and i just want to jam a ton of matches as quickly as possible uh i was using burn for that and i think this will kind of replace my deck choice as far as decks to you know just play a ton of matchups and get through as many matchups as quickly as possible and uh, just kind of see what's going on in the meta. Yeah, it, it looks nice. I'm kind of surprised uh, they didn't put Fury in this. Uh, Fury? Yeah. Uh, ha how many red spells? Yeah, there's there's a lot of red things. Uh, that's the, the pitch, um, the evoke creature. Oh, the new pitch creature. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I 
believe it deals four damage as you choose. Yeah, Fury is three red red for a three three double strike. When Fury enters the battlefield, it deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers. Exile a red card from your hands for evoke. Like I kind of like that if if you're playing against like a Thalia dot deck or whatever. Yeah, Thalia also uh, containment priest because evoke counts as cast, right? Containment priest doesn't stop the evoke. Correct. Correct. So that's also been a big problem. Big red is like, it can't beat a containment priest, but fury actually does give it an option to beat containment priest. Yeah. Cause it has, they have fiery confluence, which obviously does a lot more. It, it deals damage to the face and it, it has shatter, but pyroclasm, like I, I feel like I'd rather have fury over pyroclasm. The thing I noticed was the lack of uh chalice of the void. I feel this deck would love chalice of the void, but I guess that's what the show and tell replaced. They basically cut chalice the void to add show and tell. Uh, so I actually think chalice is um, on the way down because a uh, prismatic ending is just main boardable now. Mm-hmm. And you just, you just cast that for two white or whatever, or a blue and a white, and you can just tag a tag a chalice. Yeah, I did see a couple of prismatic endings floating around from the uh, the white decks on Friday. Uh, definitely seems like people are adopting that. Uh, it definitely feels kind of like a white abrupt decay, basically. Yeah, uh, I'm actually brewing a, a kind of an ant list, um, and instead of playing green, uh, I'm a, I want to play uh, white for prism maybe a prismatic ending or two in the main, mm-hmm. and uh, to fairy. Yeah, because Teferi's just good because you can't counter the spells, but like you can actually kill uh, planeswalkers with this. Yeah. Damn. What a prismatic ending. I just looked it up, by the way. Prismatic endings, a three dollar and fifty cent uncommon in the current set. Granted, it's a special set, but that's pretty expensive for an uncommon in, in, in print. It's really good. Yeah. Definitely pick up your prismatic endings, guys. It looks like uh, it's going to see a lot of play going forward. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of my deck that I'm kind of thinking of. What about you? Uh, after Merfolk, what's next on the horizon? So I have so many things. I'm like a, a a brewer at heart. So even when I'm playing a new deck, I'm already thinking about what the what the next best thing is. Like I yeah. said, I, I want to build like an, an ant deck. Um, but I was thinking uh, rather than playing um playing actual ad nauseum uh making it more of a, a slow deck and playing uh that that new seven mana spell where you draw half your deck draw half your deck for seven mana what it's played in the sideboard of the epic storm oh not in modern horizons it was what uh it's pure into the abyss so i was thinking like if if you can just play like almost like sort of a control game because you're cantripping anyway. You can just get to peer into the abyss mana. Um, yeah. And, and you, and you play like prismatic endings and, in, in Teferi who knows could be complete garbage and it probably is, but that's the joy of, of brewing is sometimes you make some garbage, but also like, I'm really interested in grist. Uh, I I've been, this I've been, has been sc- doing some work I've been seeing. So uh, I, I really, <sighs> I really like the potential for maybe like a like a green black rock deck. Mm-hmm. 
um, because it it's probably still way past this time. But I used to play uh, Nintuko Shade uh, back Hell in my yeah. Mono Black days, and, and that's yeah. it. The all the Nintukos are in in uh, insects. Oh, so yeah, so Nintuko Shade's an insect, uh, and then anything that has Changeling. Yep. So uh, I was thinking, I was like, you could play the Hakon combo. Uh, what is that removal spell? The one with changeling, the black one for a black and a colorless that gives plus three minus three. Uh, nameless inversion. Nameless inversion. Yeah. So so nameless like uh, it doesn't say that it has to be an insect creature. Uh, Gris just says insect. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about just like things you could do. Like uh, that's what gets like really gets my blood pumping. Like I <laughs> I, I love just seeing what possibilities there are so i like scour scryfall or whatever and i go okay these are all the insects that have ever been printed and you just go through them all <laughs> um and there's not that many good ones like i said nantuko shade was like the best one i could come up with and that one sucks pretty bad now <laughs> i think i think you're mostly looking at changelings <laughs> uh e- e- even even that like changeling outcast like if you're gonna play change that card you might as well just be playing the the ninjas deck True, true. Uh, but I, I do like the fact that um, you can play Nameless Inversion because that's like it's a decent removal spell on its own because the best deck right now has a lot of three toughness. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you can have that in your deck and oh, I milled it, I get an extra insect. You know, that's that's just fine. The downside is that um, Delver of Secrets is only an insect on its backside. Oh, so it, front. it doesn't yeah get, oh, <laughs> yeah it's, that's wicked, it's painful wicked so like it comes up when you're like searching for it because insectile aberration is an insect <laughs> on the back just, side just to rub it in your face no 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 you yeah. can't play me so you have to play this well you can still play it but you have to play a strictly shittier version of the <laughs> of the deck if you're trying to really capitalize on insects yeah oh man well best of luck to that i, I can't wait to see it at the next uh fnm uh, well uh, I, I still have to figure things out, but yeah, I, I, I really, I really love brewing. Uh, I'm, I'm still going to try to work out the kinks of this Merfolk deck. Uh, see if the black splash is actually worth it. You know, maybe, maybe other, other things. I could even see like a white splash for Thalia just to double down on the, uh, the taxing effect. So I used to play that in vintage without, um, without Aether Vials because you played Null Rods. So you played Black Lotus, you played, uh, sorry, this is, I'm, t- I'm bringing a vintage on Leaving a Legacy. No, it's all good. Um, but you played, uh, you played uh, Mock Sapphire, and that was it for your your artifacts. And then you just played Null Rods. So uh, the deck kind of lost favor. It won uh, Vintage Champs one year, and then it kind of lost favor immediately because it just couldn't keep up with a lot of the combo decks and stuff like oath like oh you're playing a creature deck oath is just going to crush you yeah. um <laughs> but but yeah i actually was trying for a while to make uh thalia work in that deck and it was it was fun was it good no <laughs> <laughs> keeping it honest and real keeping it real <laughs> yeah, it, it it wins games but it wasn't great yeah. good not great I hear you. I hear you. 
Well, nice. Uh, I just got to say, uh, you know, it was great playing you on Friday and I'm, I'm looking forward to get back in the swing of things. I'm feeling a little bit invigorated with, uh, with some MTG. I'm excited to kind of try some new decks out, try some new things out, switch the lists up. It's uh, it's feels like springtime for magic right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty sweet. And the I think the coolest thing is we did just get a set where there's a bunch of new toys. But for those of us that haven't really been playing online, mm-hmm. we have a lot of new toys because uh, what, what, like five or six sets came out since lockdown. Yeah. I was actually, I was talking about this with Ben too, is that so like modern horizons two is also such a dense set that we're going to be finding like quote unquote new cards to play from it for years to come. Like there are so many cards that aren't even being talked about right now that are insane for legacy. Like uh, what is it? Like the, the, the void Walker, like the black, black three, two, I think it has like flash too. Like it's just absolutely disgusting. Uh, uh, you can like tap it to, ex- to cast a card for free uh, that you've exiled from the top of your opponent's library. Like that card, yeah. mm-hmm. like that's not even getting talked about right now because there's just so many other insane things from Modern Horizon taking up the spotlight. Like I can't imagine all the cards that people are going to stumble across in Modern Horizons too you know, six months from now that are going to, you know, spawn these really cool decks. Yeah. It's a pretty deep card pool just for one set, which I think they did a better job than with modern horizons one. Cause with modern horizons one, they were like, these are obviously broken. I think like some of the best cards in the set are like endurance, which is very, very good. That yeah, card we- is, that card is super good, but I don't think it's uh I don't think it's gonna be bannable, you know. Right, exactly. I do agree with that. It does feel like Modern Horizons 2 is a lot more balanced. I know people are, you know, screeching about Ragavan, but I still don't think Ragavan's that good. I definitely don't think it's ban worthy. And you know, comparing Ragavan to like Renin Six, like they're just on completely different levels. Uh so I do think Wizards did actually do a much better job of uh, balancing out Modern Horizons 2 compared to Modern Horizons 1. Yeah, yeah. Um, I honestly do think Ragavan is very good. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's nice that they gave us a powerful set, but they didn't they didn't give us uh, an Oko or a Renin 6. Yeah. True. True. Doesn't feel like anything's really ban worthy, which is nice. We finally got a set where we didn't have a ban worthy card in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that part of the, the reason why it was good is uh, they did give us a few more questions with Dragon Rage Channeler, but like with cards like Prismatic Ending and stuff like that, they did give us some some answers as well. True. Because that was really what wizards was lagging behind and they would print an answer every couple sets and then they would print 30 questions and all, <laughs> all, all, all you need is a is a couple of the questions to be too good yeah exactly that's a pretty good design philosophy you know wizards needs to print more answers and i think that also comes down to the fact that questions are usually creatures or planeswalkers whereas answers are usually instants and sorceries and because wizards has over the past you know 10 years at this point 
more been more heavily pushing the uh, creatures and planeswalkers versus the instants or sorceries, it's led to a pretty distinct imbalance in the game. Well, now actually answers are green creatures. Yeah, so, now <laughs> the answer is just are, make make the answers creatures too. That's the new answer, yeah, wizards. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like well. Uh, we need something that's a question and an answer at the same time. Better be a green creature. Right. <laughs> so we will see what the future has in store. Yeah, but it, it looks nice. It looks good. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, check back in with me in a couple months when the stupid 40K set comes out. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk then. <laughs> Wait, there's a Warhammer set? Yeah, they're coming out with a Warhammer 40K set. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you'll go into sky is falling, chicken little, chicken Thanks. little me. Thanks. You know the thing is, a broken clock is right twice a day. Eventually, it's going to be true, DJ. Eventually, it's going to be true. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I I can just see you in in ten years being the, the guy who's barefoot standing outside of a Starbucks with, with, with the sign that says the end is near. The end is like, die. The end yeah. is die. <laughs> but, but you probably have misplaced your marker. So you just have a piece of cardboard with nothing on it. Yeah. Nothing on it. It's the future. They get their, uh, their heads up display will project whatever, whatever my uh, placard will say. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause they're, they're, they're Google glasses can just get, get what it was supposed to say exactly they put some advertisements like the end is nigh two for one deal at starbucks <laughs> buy one venti get a second free <laughs> we live in a boring dystopia <laughs> uh with that i think it's a good place to wrap up dj you want to get into some scoops and poops sure who you got for scoops um, I actually want to uh, scoop in uh, gaming, etc., because ah, it's stole mine. <laughs> it's awesome, but like it's also like clean and like a safe space for people. So I think that's really sweet. And I also want to scoop in Wizards of the Coast, which is weird because normally I say Wizards is the worst thing that ever happened to Magic, but <laughs> the companion app is awesome. It's, oh. it's like an amazing piece of digital. Oh, we didn't uh, even talk about that. Yeah, that's right. At first I was all curmudgeoning. I'm like, was this government trying to track me? I have to download an app on my phone in order to enter a tournament now. Blah, 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 blah. But then we actually use it. I'm like, oh, this is actually super nice. <laughs> yeah. Like it tells you your opponent. Uh, you can keep your you life pi- on that. A, you get a ping like, notification when the match starts and who your opponent yeah. is. Yeah. It has a built-in life tracker. If your opponent submits the wrong uh, result, it tells you, you know, so you don't have to get the, oh, things happen badly. Like my opponent, my, like my opponent wrote the wrong thing on the paper or whatever, Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it is. It is a huge upgrade. There are a couple of hiccups that are working. Like I was talking to uh, Matt, the employee at uh, gaming center, and he said, yeah, so like now it's going great. What I'm just worried about is when we do like uh, pr- regular set pre-releases and we have a bunch of like 10 year olds in like, does every 10 year olds have a smartphone? And then he was saying like, they had one event where the guy's like, yeah, I, I still have a flip phone. 
Like I don't like so they had to like enter him in on the on the store computer and you know have it done that way. So it does it does have a little kinks to work out still. I have yet to see the downside. You're just gatekeeping ten year olds, Jerry. <laughs> it's just like stay out of our game, ten year old. Uh, DJ is just at the front of the store. Don't you people have phones? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. So, but yeah, I was I was a bit curmudgeoning at first because I'm like, ah, Wizards is forcing this on me. But after using it one round, I'm like, all right, this is a pretty distinct upgrade. This is pretty great. Yeah, first time I used it was at the pre-release, and I was like, this is pretty amazing because you don't have the huddle around a piece of paper. Yeah, which is actually which, super important in a post-COVID world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super great. And then you also don't have the, oh, it's a local, so we're not necessarily at our numbered tables. So I just shout across the room to get a person to sit near me. Yep. You know, you don't have to worry about that because it's like, oh, uh, I'm supposed to be in this place. And this is <laughs> this is where I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It just felt really good. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that's a, that's a good scoop in. I, I will give Wizards credit where credit is due. Companion app is a pretty good upgrade, I will say. Uh, my, you, I'm just going to echo you, DJ, because you, you stole mine. I, I think both of those are great scoop ins. Uh, it was awesome to play some Magic game, etc. was super excited about it. Uh, it was great. It was, it was good to be back. So my scoop ins are also going... Uh, to FNM at gaming, et cetera. I can't wait to go back next week. And with that, everyone, we're going to wrap it up. Make sure you join the Facebook, uh, find us on, support us on Patreon at, uh, you know, leaving a legacy uh, slash Patreon. And uh, hopefully Pat will be back next week and won't have some father sports ball, something, whatever that he was doing tonight. Everyone boo and hiss Pat when he comes back next week uh, with that. We'll see y'all next week. Have a good night. Come on down to Never a